Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, a message from God's Word brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message in its entirety again, to download it or to choose from a variety of other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, log on to WGCRpreaching.net. The book of Matthew tonight, the book of Matthew chapter number 1, I have, uh, I have, uh, I say labored over what to preach tonight. I've thought of several things that I'd like to preach to you tonight. It's being a young people's meeting. I thought about preaching on godly counsel and how important it is for a young person to have godly counsel in your life and what kind of counselor to look for in your life. But I couldn't get away from Matthew chapter number 1 beginning in verse number 18 and reading down through the ending of the chapter in verse number 25. I believe that it would be the will of God in these next few minutes, if the Lord would help us to do so, to look at the biography of Joseph, the foster father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord has certainly uh, impressed upon my heart uh, this man's life and the necessity of learning some things about this man's life. Now, most of the time when you see a a nativity sort of a scene and you see Mary and Joseph, you see a couple that were very similar in age, very similar in look, and just, uh, you know, just the standard uh, Hollywood or artist depiction of Mary and Joseph, that really wasn't the case at all. As a matter of fact, many first century writings state that, of course, Joseph died prior to the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most earthly writings say that he was somewhere between 100 and 110 years of age when he died before Christ started his earthly ministry. Mary was anywhere between the age of 15 and 20 when she married him. So there was a vast age difference between these two people. And I want us to look tonight at the character of this man by the name of Joseph, if the Lord will help us. I want to begin reading in verse 18, read through the ending of the chapter. The Bible said beginning in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, the Bible said was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David... Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You ever get into an argument with a Jehovah's Witness, you can take them to John chapter number 1. But I tell you, if you'll really put a switch back on them, take them to the book of Matthew chapter number 1. And if you'll look down there in verse number in verse number 23, the Bible said that His name was Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Jesus Christ is very God manifest in the flesh. In verse number 24, the Bible said, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, 
and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, your Catholic friends are going to believe that Mary was a perpetual virgin, meaning that she carried on a, uh, a relationship with Joseph with no conjugal relation. But in verse number 25, the Bible said he knew her not until such time as he had born Jesus, she had born Jesus into this world. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 55, if my memory serves me correctly, states that Jesus had at least four brothers and some sisters. One of those brothers was named Joseph, J-O-S-E-S, which is a Greek rendering of his father's name, Joseph. Now, this Joseph is a very interesting man. And I'd like to look at him tonight if the Lord will be our helper. Would you go to prayer with me? Our Father in heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for this day, and we want to thank you for your blessings on us to allow us to be in the house of the Lord. I thank you, dear God, for the freedom to worship, to magnify the Lord, to lift our hand and to praise the Lord. I thank you for Fair Haven's choir singing to us tonight those good songs, Lord, that remind us, Father, of the King of all glory who laid down His life for us. I appreciate you, dear Lord, coming for someone the likes of me. Lord, thank you for saving me, Lord. And thank you for saving my wife and my children. And thank you, dear Lord, for household salvation. I appreciate your goodness to our family. I appreciate your goodness to our church. I appreciate your goodness to this congregation of people. And Lord, I pray, dear God, tonight that you would help me, Lord Jesus, to have clarity of thought and the freedom to be able to say and communicate, Lord, in an interesting enough way where the hearts are pricked by the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Lord, that that you do for us this evening, we'll thank you because you're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, as we begin uh, tonight looking at the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, in the book of Matthew 1, beginning in verse number 1 down through verse number 17, you'll find a genealogy. This genealogy is a very interesting genealogy. It is the genealogy of Joseph and his family uh, through the tribe of Judah, leading up to, of course, his birth and then subsequent marriage to Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. In your copy of the Scriptures, you'll also find another genealogy in the book of Luke, chapter number 3. In the book of Luke, chapter number 3, you find the genealogy of Mary. You'll find that these two genealogies do not match up exactly. Men more, more, uh, more studied in the Word of God than I have told us through their writings that Matthew 1 is the genealogy of, of, of Joseph while Luke chapter 3 is the genealogy of Mary. And we'll trust them on that. But there's one little tidbit I'd like to share with you that God gave me here recently. The Bible said in Luke chapter number 1 that when the angel Gabriel had come to Mary and had told Mary that she was going to conceive that God child and that she was going to bring him into this world and that God was going to use her womb as the vehicle of bringing himself into the world, He said, also, your cousin Elizabeth is now six months with her child. And as I began to look at Luke chapter number 3, there was a puzzling question in my mind. If this is the genealogy of Mary, and it obviously tells us that Mary, as well as Joseph, came out of the line of Judah, then how is it that Elizabeth, according to Luke chapter number 1, being out of the tribe of Levi, how is it that Mary and Elizabeth were cousins? How is it that they could be cousins coming out of the same genealogy? There's only one answer to that, 
And that is that Mary, on her father's side, was out of the tribe of Judah while her mother came out of the tribe of Levi. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ is the priest who entered into the holiest and offered up His blood for us, and He became that priest qualified to enter in the Melchizedekan priesthood when the priest Ananias took in the garments and rent them in the book of Matthew chapter number 27 before Jesus went to the cross, which disqualified the Levitical priesthood and allowed Christ to step in. But Jesus Christ didn't miss the Levitical priesthood by much. On His mother's side, He had the blood of Levi flowing in His body, while on His daddy's side, He had, of course, God the Father's blood in His body. And I'm thankful today that we've got a priest forever which has given His blood on the mercy seat on high for us. But today, I want to look at this man by the name of Joseph, if the Lord will be our helper. I want to look at six things about Joseph tonight, if you'll stay with me. First of all, I'd like to look at Joseph, a man defined. What defines Joseph here? There are three things in the Scriptures. If you'll stay with me, we're going somewhere tonight that I, I believe will be a help to us if you'll just stay with me. First of all, I want us to see that he is defined by his nativity. In verse number 1 all the way down through verse 17, we see 28 generations. These 28 generations bring us up to this man by the name of Joseph. Joseph had a great lineage, a great nativity. There are great people in this line. There is his great-great-great-grandfather Judah. And what a man Judah was. And the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis 49, verse number 9 and 10, that, he, that, that Judah would be that lion that would bring law to Israel and that the scepter would not depart out of Judah until Shiloh, who was the Lord Jesus Christ, come. That word Shiloh means the successful one. Now I'm here to tell you today that Christ was the successful one in the tribe of Judah that brought law and liberty to mankind by what He did on the cross of Calvary. He had people in there like David and people in His lineage like Solomon, wise men, great men, notable men, men with absolutely an obscurity who no one knew about. But here we find He is defined by His nativity. Isn't it an interesting thing that here as, as the Jews are under the empire of Rome, yet Joseph's family has been very careful over the thousands of years to delineate every single member of that family and to preserve that lineage and to preserve that family tree. He's a man defined by his nativity. But he's a man defined by his name. The Bible said his name was Joseph. Joseph was an honored name in Israel. It was a revered name in Israel. The first time we're introduced to Joseph is in the book of Genesis where Rachel was having a son. And as she is having this son, she said, I'm going to call his name Joseph, which means the Lord will add to me another son. Or God will add. Joseph being a great and a perfect, I say perfect, a great and a marvelous type of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an honorable, noted name for Joseph to have that name bestowed upon him by his family. He is called Joseph. Isn't it interesting that Jacob named his son Joseph? But if you will look in verse number 16, you'll notice that our Joseph's dad's name was Jacob as well. The Bible said, and Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary. What a great irony in his name. But then we see he's undefined by his name and his nativity. 
but He is defined most importantly by His nature. If you will look with me here in verse number 19, the Bible said this of Joseph, He was a just man. Not just a man, but He was a just man. This word just deals with the fact that He was a righteous man. It deals with the fact that He was a notable man, an equitable, honest man. It deals with the fact that He was a holy man. A man that was right and a man that was meet in regard to his character and quality. I'm here to tell you that you may not know a person's name, but you certainly will know them by their quality and by the character of themselves. And you can forget my name. Now, I don't have a problem with you forgetting my name. But if there's one thing I want to be noted for, it is that I have been a just man. A man of equity, a man of character. A man of integrity. And we're lacking a lot of integrity in men. And men, let me tell you, if there's one thing that we need to bestow upon these young men in here, it is examples that they can look up to with men of character, men of integrity, men who are honest, men who are forthright, and men who are real men who still live for God. He was a just man. Secondly, we see not only a man defined, but we see that Joseph is depicted for us in the Scriptures as a man of duty. He is a man of duty in three notable ways. First of all, he is a career man. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew 13 and 55, where, where Jesus is, uh, is being introduced in Capernaum, and his brethren are noted. The Bible said that Jesus is the son of the carpenter. Is this not the carpenter's son? Joseph was noted for his career. Many first century writers state that Jesus, being a carpenter, had a great quality in crafting oxen yokes. And he had the ability to craft them and to sell high quality oxen yokes. There is no doubt that he, he was uh, uh, equipped in, by, in doing that, having worked in the shop of this man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was a man who had a quality in his career. He had a skill. He had a trait. He had an ability in his hands. He could do something other than work a video game. Amen? He was a man with a career. A man who knew how to do a few things. If there's one thing I'd like to impress upon you young men is this. You need to get along with a man who is a real man who knows how to do something with his hands who knows how to make something, who knows how to operate a piece of equipment, who knows how to plow a straight line, who knows how to put a garden in the ground, get along with a man that will teach you how to be a, a real quality of a man. A man who is able to make it for himself. This man by the name of Joseph was not waiting on someone to hire him. He decided he would hire himself and make it for himself. He was a man known for his career, which means he was a laboring man. Second thing I see about this man is that he is a man with a quality of citizenship about him. The Bible teaches and tells us in the book of Luke chapter 2, verse number 4 through 5, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee in the city of David, out of Nazareth in the city of David. And the Bible said that he went there to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. And here is a man that is not balking the tax. Here is a man 
who is not rebelling against his government. He said, well, they didn't rebel back then. Well, if you read the Bible, you'll find that there were many who rebelled back then. Many. Here is a man who took his citizenship very seriously. And he was a loyal man. I want you to realize and understand that, yeah, we're not in a perfect nation. We're not in a perfect nation. But you are in the nation that God wanted you to be in. God sovereignly put you in the womb of your mother and sovereignly allowed you to be born in this nation, which in my estimation is the greatest nation in this world. And you have some responsibilities to this nation. Your citizenship requires some responsibilities. This man was a loyal man. The citizenship is noted for us. We see that he was not only a man of duty in his career and in his citizenship, but we see that he is a noted man in regard to his conversion. There's a couple of things that I would like for you to see. The Bible teaches and tells us in the book of Luke, chapter number 2, verse number 21 through 24, when Jesus is brought the eighth day into the temple to be circumcised, here's a man by the name of Joseph who is wanting to follow the law of God down to the very letter. He is wanting to make sure that he obeys the law of God. He wants to make sure that what the book has said is complied with in his life. Now that's how you can tell a real Christian. A real Christian is a man who wants to make sure that if the Bible says it, he's doing it. Or if the Bible says he's not to do it, then he is not doing it in his life. He is complying with the Word of God. He was a man of duty to his conversion in that he complied with the law of God. He is a man of duty in his conversion that he was conversant in communication with the Lord. Isn't it interesting to note in this text that we read in Matthew 1, Brother Matt, that as he was lying in bed contemplating and considering the news that he had just received from Mary, that the angel of the Lord, which is a picture of the theophany of God Himself appearing to him, came and communicated with him in the night. The Bible said that if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord's not going to commune with us in the way that we desire that He should, which indicates to us that His heart was right if God was going to come speak to Him. He's a man of duty in regard to his conversion. I want to ask you a question tonight. You have been saved by the grace of God. Are you treating your conversion more than just a fire insurance policy? Conversion is not a fire insurance policy. Conversion in the believer's life is to place himself under the Lordship of Christ. So many times today, the gospel message has been so cheapened to where it is nothing more than an out from a terrible eternity. And that is all when in, re- when, in, when in essence what God wants in our life is to realize that when we bow our knee in repentance and faith, we are placing ourselves under the authority of the One who purchased us from sin. What are you doing with your conversion? Thirdly, tonight we see Joseph is a man with a dilemma. What is this man's dilemma? I note three things. First of all, he has a dilemma in his family. 
Now let's think about him just for a minute, Brother John. Here is a man by the name of Joseph. He's lived a life where he has labored with his hands, but he's not been a real success. I mean, he's not notable for being a wealthy, wealthy man. As a matter of fact, all indications from everything that has been written about Joseph is he wasn't a pauper, he wasn't a beggar, but he certainly wasn't wealthy. He certainly wasn't a man who was making it real good. But yet, when you go back, and it's very clear that that Joseph knew his lineage because when the angel came to him in verse number 20, he said, Joseph, thou son of David, he acknowledged that he was a son of David, which means he knows where he came from. He He knew his family tree. He knew his family history. And when he looked at himself, he looked down the family tree. Well, here's David. My great-great-grandfather David gave away over a hundred million dollars to the building of Solomon's temple. Here I am. I have been in the greatest family in all of Israel, and all of them have done great things and held great offices and been noted for being great wise men. And here I am with splinters in my hands and calluses on my knuckles. I've got a family dilemma. I have not measured up to where all the other family measured up to. I've not made it as high as Granddaddy made it. I've not gone as far as Grandpa has gone. I've not done all that my family has done. That don't mean you're nothing. He had a family dilemma. But then he had a financial dilemma. In the book of Luke, chapter number 2, verse number 1 through 3, he's being taxed. Who likes that? No one of us do. He's got financial dilemma going on in his life. Can you imagine as he thinks back on that hundred million dollars plus that his granddaddy gave to the building of Solomon's temple? You go back and calculate the figures, you'll come up with over a hundred million dollars that David gave away out of his personal coffer. And here he is making it hand to mouth This man by the name of Joseph, he has tried. He's been a just man. He's been a forthright man. He's been an honest man. He's tried to love the Lord. He's tried to stay right. He's tried to do it by the book. And he's still just barely making it hand to mouth. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I mean, here you are, friend. You got saved by the grace of God. You decided to jump in with both feet. You got in and you began to serve the Lord. And things got to going good, and boy, you was on cloud nine. And then it didn't take long for reality to set in, and you started fighting devils by the dozens and battles by the bundles, and it started coming on you all the time. And here you are living from hand to mouth. You turn around and you look at people in the congregation who show up at service on Sunday morning. They don't come to Sunday school. They don't come on Sunday night. They hardly ever show up on Wednesday night. They're driving a brand new car. They got a brand new house. They don't tithe. They don't give to missions. They don't give anything in the offering pan. Plus, if we spend a dime on anything, they're not giving a stinking dime. And you're just barely making it. And you look at the family of God and you say, What's going on, God? This don't even make sense. You ain't never been there. I've been there. He's got a family dilemma. He's got a financial dilemma. But this old boy's got a fiancé dilemma. About uh, 
About 12 weeks ago, his wife-to-be came up to him and told him, said, um, I'm going to go to be with my cousin Elizabeth, and I'm going to stay over there for a few days. And I, I really don't know, I really, Joseph, I really don't know when I'm going to be back. But I'm going to go up there, and we're going to stay with him a while. And it doesn't indicate that Joseph knew the reason why she was going. And so she takes off to spend some time with her cousin Elizabeth. About three months later, she shows back up with a bulge underneath her garment. Now, what do you think is going on in this man's mind? Here this man has entered into an agreement with her family. She has, for all intents and purposes, been purchased for his wife. He loves her. His heart has been given to her. His desire is for her for the two of them to have a family and to raise children together. But here is Joseph who is looking at his fiancée and she is expecting a child. And he looks at her and said, What? What is going on? And she said, God did it. God did it? Yeah, I just... I was in the house a few months ago and I was working and all of a sudden this great light shined in the house and I turned around and there stood an angel and he said, you're the one and the Holy Ghost of God's going to just kind of come over and overshadow you as he goes through the house and before you know it, you're going to have a baby. Now, I know it sounds good now that you've done read the end of the book and all, But you let your girlfriend come home tell you that. And I promise you the emotions of this man would be very much akin to the emotions you'd be feeling. Here's a man who is living a life for God. Here's a man who is walking with God. Here's a man who's trying to do what's right, trying to be an honest man, a hard-working man, trying to love the Lord, be faithful to church, trying to do exactly what the Bible said. And it seems like on every side, his life seems to be falling apart. You ain't never been there. You hang on. You probably will be. Number next, I see that he is a man of distinction. Notice some things that are very distinct in this man's life. First of all, he was a man who knew how to rule his attitude. Notice two things that I'd like for you to contemplate with me. Notice this, if you look in verse number 20. But while he thought on these things. Now, your wife comes in and tells you that, how much thinking are you going to be doing? The Bible said that he took time to contemplate what was going on in his life. He was he was not a man who reacted. He was a man who responded. There's a big difference between reaction and response. 
Joseph had just been handed the worst news any man could ever be handed. And instead of flying off, and instead of heading down to pull the law books out to see what could be done, Joseph said, let me go sleep on this and think about it. Joseph knew how to rule his attitude by contemplating on God. Let me ask you a question. Are you known more for your reaction or your response? When something bad happens in your life, when something you don't want to happen happens in your life, how do you respond or how do you react? Joseph was the man that he was because he wasn't a reactionary. He was a man who was going to contemplate what had happened in his life and wait on clear direction from God. He was a man who was noted for his attitude being ruled. But notice, he is noted as a man of compassion in his attitude when the Bible said this, In verse 19, he was not willing to make her a public example, but he was minded to put her away privately. Some preachers said that that meant that he was going to personally kill her. You've got to be dumb to believe that. I mean, just absolutely dumb to believe that. The Bible said that he was minded to put her away privately. He was not going to make her a public example. Let me ask you a question. If you face that, sir, in your life, or ma'am, if you face that in your life, are, are you willing to handle it with such grace and ruling your attitude as this man ruled with his attitude? He was not only a man that was distinct in that he ruled his attitude with great compassion and contemplation, but he was a, a man who was distinct in that He was willing to accept ridicule in this situation. Now, I want you to think about this just for a minute. For Joseph, for Joseph to put her away privately means this, that he was going to go, he was going to seek a private divorce, he was going to set her aside privately, and he was going to walk away not doing anything that the law said he could do. Which, this is what this means. Brother brother Chris, it means that for Joseph to walk away from this situation, for Mary to be expecting a baby, and for Joseph to have gone to the law, put her away, and yet not required her death, means that Joseph would be looked upon as a molester of this woman. He's going to be looked on as the bad guy. It means that the character that he has built in the community is going to be gone. His business is going to be gone. Everything he's worked for all his life is going to be gone. He is going to be absolutely a man with a reputation of wickedness, and he is willing to put himself in that position for his love for that girl. Amen. 
We're talking about the kind of man he was. He was not only a man that ruled his attitude and accepted ridicule, but when God came to him in the night and said, Joseph, don't worry about taking Mary to your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And I tell you, Joseph, you're going to be the one that names him. He was willing to accept brand new responsibility from God. Let me ask you a question. Are you in a position right now in your Christian life, young people, I want you to, I want you to listen to the preacher. Are you in a position in your life right now where if God wanted to give you some new responsibilities, He could? Have you proven faithful in every responsibility God has given you up until this point in time? Where that if God wants to give you a big task to handle, you can do it? Or is God still trying to get you through kindergarten? Joseph had graduated to greater responsibilities. I want us to see tonight as we begin to move forward, Joseph was not only a man of distinction, but he was a man of destiny. God God destined him for some great things. Let me just give you five real fast. He destined him, Brother John, to proclaim Christ. He was the first man that proclaimed Christ. Would you, would you look in verse 21? The Bible said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And the Bible said in verse number 23 that he was going to be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us, Joseph had the distinct responsibility and the distinct, uh, distinct uh, uh, enjoyment of being the very first man to announce that Christ Jesus, God Emmanuel, with us was in the world. Man, what a destiny. To be the first one to proclaim the Savior in the world. He gave him the, the destiny of protecting Christ while he was in the world. He gave him a safe household. He gave him a place to grow up. He gave him a place to place to work in his carpenter shop. He gave him an opportunity in life. Not that God needed an opportunity, but it was what he was destined for. He provided for him. He prepared things for him. He got to be personal with him. And it, and it all came out of a bad situation. I want to end tonight with the last thing we hear about Joseph. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 2. In the book of Luke chapter number 2, I want to share with you the last things we hear about Joseph. In the book of Luke chapter number 2, where now Jesus is no longer a baby, Jesus is 12 years old. This is what we've seen thus far. We've seen Joseph, a man defined. We've seen Joseph, a man of duty. We've seen Joseph, a man with a dilemma. We've seen Joseph, a man of distinction. Joseph, a man of destiny. But notice Joseph in chapter number 2 of the book of Luke, verse number 44 and 45. And they, Mary and Joseph... 
supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey. And they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. The next to last thing we hear about Joseph in the Scriptures is this. He forgot the importance of his task. His task was to see to Christ. His task was to take care of Him, so to speak. To minister to the needs of Him. And here at the age of twelve, Jesus and Mary and Joseph have gone up to temple. And as they have been at temple, Mary and Joseph have left the temple and they're on their way home. And they have gone three days, three days, three days. That means they have gone to bed. They have gotten up. They have eaten a few meals. They have gone to bed. They have gotten up. They have eaten a few meals. Three days. They just supposed He was around somewhere. He's... Hey... God gave you a, a great God gave you a great job to do, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Boy, tell me the story. Well, let me go back. Let me tell it to you. Joseph goes back and recaps the whole story. Well, how how are things progressing now? How are things going today? Well, I, I can't find him. I don't know where he's at. I just I I know he's bound to be around here somewhere. <laughs> I just don't know where he's at right now. I want you to notice the last thing that the Bible says about Joseph. Look at verse 50. And they understood not the saying which he spake to them. There are two things I want you to see. I want us to see, first of all tonight, that in the ending of Joseph's life, he did not handle his task well. Neither did he hearken to what God had to say. He didn't understand the very words of Jesus. Be about your father's business. What are you talking about? I don't even understand you anymore. Be about your father. I am your father. Get it. Get. Let's get that back down the shop. You get out of here. Let's go. Somewhere along the line in Joseph's life, after the hoopla of Luke chapter number 2, the early part, and Matthew chapter number 1, the late part, somewhere after the hoopla of all that being over with and time progressing, we're, we're over a decade since the event. It's not as important as it used to be. It's not as real as it used to be. We don't respond, Brother Chris, the way we used to respond. In uh, 1631, there was, uh, there was a woman by the name of uh, Mumtaz Jahan 
who died with the birth of her 14th youngin'. Her husband's name was Shah Jahan. He loved her dearly. And when she died, he said, I am going to build an edifice to my wife's death by the which she will always be remembered. And he began to build the eighth wonder of the world, what's known as the Taj Mahal. Twenty-one years later, Shah Jahan was walking across the construction site of the Taj Mahal. As he walked across the site, he bumped into a dusty old box, got his clothes dirty, it angered him, and he told the construction workers, take that box out of here! Throw it away! Throw it away! He didn't realize that that dusty, covered box was the coffin of his wife, the one that he had built the edifice to. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when it's all new and our hearts are burning aflame with the fire of God in us, oh, do we not have zeal to go and do we not have zeal to do? The longer we live for God and the more carnal we become and the colder we become, the more we forget about the one that the building's built for. You can't deny that Joseph was a great man in his day. You cannot deny that Joseph was a man that was a just man. You cannot deny that Joseph was a man who took very seriously the law of God in his day. But you also cannot deny that when Jesus Christ, God incarnate, stepped out and spoke a word to Joseph, Joseph looked at him and he said, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I'm concluding and I'm, I'm finished, but I want to ask you a question, young people. Old people, all of us who are here, I want to ask you a question. Has there ever been a time that you got saved? I hope there is. Has there ever been a time when the fire of God burned in your heart and there was a shout in your soul and there was a spring in your step and there was a song on your lips for God? But now you're as cold as a wedge. And if God swept through here and spoke, you couldn't hear Him. And your heart is so cold it wouldn't affect you. Joseph, we don't even know how he died. We don't know where his tomb is. There is no real remembrance of Joseph. The Scriptures don't speak of him. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, listen to this now. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, He's got four brothers. Four brothers. And He will not even deliver the care of His own mother to His four brothers. He delivers the care of His mother to John the Beloved. 
What does that say about the job his daddy did with him other boys? You can start right and you can finish wrong. You can start with a great testimony and people can talk about what a Christian you used to be. Now, I'm not interested in your used-to-be's unless they're still continuing. I, I know people that, man, I hear people tell great stories about them. I'm telling you, to look at them in the nasty now and now, you'd never know the stories were true. I ask you how you are tonight. Where are you tonight? Let's stand our feet. Brother Matthew. You Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message once again in its entirety, for a free download of this message or a variety of any other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, you can visit The Preaching Channel at wgcrpreaching.net. If you don't have download capabilities, feel free to call and order a CD copy of today's message at 828-884-9427.